I guess we're having problems with our check-in with the kids. But let's stand up. They're still doing it. You know, change is sometimes kind of difficult, but it's necessary. I want to read to you this morning, before we get started in worship, in Psalm 122, it says in this in verse 6, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls. Prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say, Peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. I don't know, I would hope that all of you are aware of what's going on in Israel. A couple of weeks ago, when I got done praying and got up off my knees in my spirit, I heard this, the battle has begun. And I don't just believe it's what's going on in Israel, but then we see what's going on in our nation's capital. So, you know, we don't need to be in fear. God's not giving His people fear. And so what I asked, I'm going to have, have uh, Nate share with you. Just give him a real short synopsis of when you were camping and what, what happened. Will you do that? And then he's going to pray. All right. Uh, every night I pray with my son and we pray for uh, Israel. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for leadership. We pray for the church. Uh, and we, I took him camping the other night when it was really, really, really freezing. And, uh, well, tends that it was like a father-son sort of thing. I didn't want to belabor the praying. I didn't want to belabor, you know, doing the stuff that he's normally like, oh, I don't want to do this, you know. So anyway, I didn't pray for Jerusalem. I didn't pray for Israel. And, uh, I fell asleep, him and me, we fell asleep really early, which is very uncommon for me. I don't normally sleep at all, let alone go to bed at like 8.45. <laughs> uh, I fell asleep about 8.45 and 10.10, in between 10.10 and like 10.12 p.m., I was woken up and I, I shot up and I was sitting there looking around because I was woken up. It wasn't like I just kind of roused. I was fully awake, ready to go, wasn't cold even though I was in shorts and a tank top and it was like 33 degrees, I was just I was just fully aware, ready to go. And then I heard three very loud knocks like this, just on a big wood door. And it was so loud and very audible to the point where I got out of the tent, walking around with a lantern, looking to see who was getting into my pickup or what was going on because it was very, very loud and it got my attention. And then finally, God got a hold of me and I was sitting there like, okay, so what, what is this? And it, it came up in me, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. So I said, you have my attention, what do you want me to do? You know, you're, I, I am yours to command, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. And it came up in my spirit, Psalm 122, and I said, okay, I, I didn't pray for Israel, I need to pray for Israel right now. So I went over to the picnic table, still in a tank top and shorts, opened up to Psalm 122 and I started speaking the peace over Jerusalem. And then I started praying because God wouldn't just wake me up to pray for Jerusalem and Israel just because. You know, he always got a reason for it. And then I spoke, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I spoke over them what I would normally pray. And then I went in and I looked at my phone right when I went to bed and it was 1030. Well, then that next morning I realized what had happened. 
And I just got curious. I'm like, well, geez. So I Googled what time that had happened, and it was 3.30 over there, but it was 10.30 our time. So he woke me up before it happened, and then I was sitting there thinking, well, geez, I must have missed it, you know, because obviously, well, then he reminded me, think of the damage that would have been done if I hadn't woken you up. You know, and if he does that for me, there's thousands upon thousands of people, I guarantee you, he prompted to do the exact same thing. So think of how bad it could have been, you know. So I'm going to pray. And I was going to read Psalm 122, but Pastor already got to that. (laughs) So we're good. So anyway, Father, I declare that peace be within your walls and prosperity within all your businesses, houses, schools, hospitals, and military facilities. I declare that favor surrounds Israel with a shield and that they are pleasing to you. I speak to all nations and people near and around Israel and say, peace, be still. We are not coming against people, but we are coming against the spirit driving the people the same as Jesus came against the wind that drove the waves. Because of your divine favor that surrounds them, and because they are pleasing to you, you make even their enemies to be at peace with them. I pray that you will fill all their spiritual and governmental leaders with the spirit of the living God and with power. I declare that they will be filled with godly discernment and all wisdom and understanding so that they may be as the sons of Ishakar. They can discern and properly navigate these times because you fill them, Father. They can trust their heart and plan their way accordingly, but you will direct their steps. I pray for all the nation of Israel's safety. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to you and are safe. Father, we intercede on behalf of Israel and block out all these fiery darts of the wicked one. And I take the authority and my authority and I release the same 12 legions of angels Jesus spoke of and now set a perimeter around all of the nation's borders nothing may enter that is not allowed to enter and nothing and no one may leave that should not be leaving all children are safe and cared for all women are safe and cared for all men are safe and cared for in the mighty name of Jesus finally father you told us to pray for the laborers so I So, Father, I send laborers into Israel who have a strong conviction and a desire to see Jesus Christ moving through the nation of Israel. I call these laborers fully equipped for every good work. I pray that their speech be with grace, seasoned with salt, that they may uh, deliver a power-filled message of Jesus to Israel. They come behind in no good gift, and they have the full scale of signs, wonders, and miracles following them. I declare that all these laborers financial needs be met according to their riches and glory in Christ Jesus. They have a spirit-filled support system of administrators and intercessors in their corner, paving their paths for them. I pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up till I lay my head, I will sing the goodness of God all my life. All my life you have been faithful. My life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am in, oh, I will sing the goodness of God. Your voice, you led me to the fire.
Worthy is the land. 
I'd invite you this morning, I know some already are, but if you're able, I'd like to have you get on your knees, and we're going to sing this. The scripture says, we bow our knees unto the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to sing this again from our hearts.
sing holy. We sing holy. Holy is the Lamb. Holy is the Lamb. This morning, Lord Jesus, we declare you are holy. Holy Lamb of God, we worship You. We honor You in this place today. May the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart be pleasing in Your sight. Spirit of grace, we welcome You this morning at Harvest Church. We thank You, Holy Spirit, for instructing us and teaching us this day. Our ears are open to hear what you would say. We love you and we honor your presence. And we're expecting you, Lord. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Thank you for honoring our Lord and Savior this morning. We need a microphone. We're Tuesday night at 5.30, Patriots United is having a potluck dinner over in the other side. Um, bring a main dish, side dish. Uh, immediately following the dinner at 6 or 6.15, we'll have a guest speaker, Jim McKenzie, will be speaking in here. Wednesday at 7 is our midweek service. Next Sunday, the 15th, our Children's Church always helps Mercy Meals pack away hunger. They will be doing that. Um, if you had any questions, you can talk to Beth, and she's with the children this morning. Um, or you can talk to Courtney afterwards. And then um, next Sunday, late Sunday afternoon, next week is our women's fellowship. Please note we've changed the time. from It was going to be from 3 to 6. We're going to have it from 4 to 7. We are not going to have a meal, but we're just going to gorge ourselves on dessert. <laughs> So bring your favorite fall dessert. Um, make sure you sign up on the sheet in the back if you want to do that. And it'll just be, we're just going to have a good time being together. So we encourage you to do that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 16. In Luke chapter 16, most of you have probably read this. If you've not read it, I'd encourage you to do this, do that in the future shortly. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's about the unjust steward. It was a parable that Jesus taught. And it goes on, he goes on to say in verse 10, it says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the trust for two rich, true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Now, 
earlier in that Jesus commended the unjust steward, not for being unjust, not for being fraudulent and, and stealing money, but for being shrewd. He was planning and thinking ahead. For that, Jesus commended him. But then it goes on and he talks about faithfulness. Now, there are three things in our life that we have to manage. People, time, and money. The most important of that is people. And we have to, first and foremost of managing people, we have to learn to manage ourselves. And, you know, Mike Keyes talked about that when he was here. Managing our emotions, managing our mouth, managing our zeal, our behaviors. And we have to do that so that we can affect and influence other people and, and help them have a relationship with Jesus. Unmanaged people are not a good influence for, for, for people wanting to know Jesus. So we need to be aware of that. The, so the three things we have to manage are people, time, and money. And all three, but we have to realize that all three are tied together. One affects the other. If we are to serve God, then we are required to steward all three of those things. We have to be stewards of those things. We serve God, we steward and manage ourselves, our time, and our money. The parable of the dishonest steward illustrates that stewardship of wealth. Jesus does not oppose. Uh, did not approve of the fraud, but is, he com commands prudence and shrewdness in preparing for the future, and we have to be aware of that for our finances. For the Christian, prudent use of possessions is for the benefit of others. And those others can be your spouse, your children, your family, the people sitting next to you, or the people in the world that need help. In this parable, Jesus is instructing that persons, a person's stewardship is a valid test of one's relationship to God. Because it talks about in other scriptures, where your finances are, there your heart will be. Where your heart will be is where your finances are. So there's a lot tied together in that. So we have to make sure that we serve God and not mammon, because God, we've been talking about God wants us blessed, because there is a world to reach out there, and there are people that need Jesus, there are people that need help, so we have to be cognizant of that fact, and we need to serve God, but we need to manage and steward our finances, so it talks about here, let me read this again, he who is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either you will hate one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So I've been talking about the blessing of God. The blessing of God is going to come upon people that's hearts are toward God. So we just need to realize that as we're faithful in small things concerning our finances, concerning how we deal with other people, how we manage our time, those are proving our faithfulness. So I just want to encourage you, God blesses and rewards faithfulness. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings.
Amen. We're going to come into the season here in the days ahead that we're going to really have just a lot of sweet worship of Jesus. And uh, so I'm just preparing you for that and, and uh, because we want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit because Jesus, He gets all the glory. Amen. Look in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 49. And as you turn there, I'll remind you of a scripture in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. We've been on the subject of the anointing of God, haven't we? For many weeks. I don't know how much longer we'll be going. But the anointing is necessary to deliver people. And uh, it's not so much, you know, yes, you can cast out devils, and that's part of it, but there's a, there's a precious, sweet anointing of God that you can just, just quietly pray for somebody and, and, and bless them. And then there's times that you're going to pray. There was an anointing when he prayed today. I don't know if you sense that or not, but it was a strong anointing because, you know, Jerusalem is important to the Father. And uh, so if we'll hook up with God and do what God wants us to do and pray the way God wants us to pray, the, the anointing will be manifested. And see, there's a corporate anointing that comes when people come together, you know, on a, on a Sunday morning, and their, their, their one agenda, their, their goal is just to lift up Jesus. Then you're going to see that anointing begin to fall and that anointing manifest. And when that happens, you're going to see people healed. You're going to see people delivered. So we need to create an atmosphere. I was listening the other night to somebody that was ministering and he says, you know, the one thing that, that's important to the Holy Spirit is that you invite Him. You invite the Holy Spirit to move and manifest as He so desires. And so, let's really be sensitive in the days ahead. You know, God is a God of mercy. You know, I've missed it, you've missed it, we've missed it as a church, but in the days ahead, we're not going to miss it. Because we're going to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Now we've been... On the, on the subject on, on the anointing, let me read to you in Isaiah 49, because this was our text. In verse 1, it says, Listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb, from the matrix of my mother. He's made mention of my name, and He's made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of His hand, He has hidden me. He made me a polished shaft. In his quiver, he has hidden me. See, we need to understand that the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is a weapon. In fact, in, in Hebrews it says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any what? Two-edged sword. See, God's words in your mouth, in my mouth, are weapons. And that, if you and I will esteem the Word of God daily, 
and and uh, begin to meditate on it and, and and get it in our heart and then speak it forth. It's like an arrow that goes forth. Amen. There's a scripture in Psalm 45:5. It says, "Your arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies." See, what we did today was pray. And those are arrows. That's a weapon in the realm of the Spirit. Amen. Now, there are characteristics of hidden ones. We said, hidden ones, say, I'm a hidden one. Well, hidden, hidden ones will stay out of the limelight. They don't need the accolades. They don't need to be, you know, adored and worshipped. They just want to be left alone. They stay away from the limelight. Then we said, hidden ones possess the anointing and spiritual authority because they accomplish their assignments without any special recognition. And a lot of times, and there's nothing wrong, God will recognize, you know, when you do a good job, and I do a good job, but you don't just do a job to get a pat on the back. Everything you and I do is, is birthed out of a love for Him. Amen. Then we said hidden ones walk in the Spirit and reject the world system. Is there a system out there? Yes, there is. So hidden ones will reject the world system. Their desire is to please God and not man. Their desire is not to please their flesh, but to please the Father. Then we said that hidden ones are servants. Say hidden ones are servants. Any anointing that God gives is always dependent upon one's first being a servant. So if you want to operate in a strong anointing in these last days, then you better learn how to serve. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Say, I'm a servant. See, true servanthood begins with the unseen spiritual Attitude of the heart. You can do a lot of things in the natural, but it, it's, it's, it's in the heart. What are you like in the heart? It's the character of your heart. Then we said hidden ones, they'll have a life of prayer. We said any anointing that God gives is always dependent upon how much time is spent in your prayer closet. No prayer, no anointing. If you don't take time to pray in the Spirit daily, there'll be no anointing. Amen. Thank you for that one weak, pathetic amen, but I'll, I'll take it. Prayer and intercession is a hidden ministry, but without it, the anointing will not flow. It's that simple. The hidden ones abide in the secret place of the Most High God. The secret things belong to the Lord God, and He shares His secrets with those who fear Him. He shares His secrets with the hidden one. Now, I want to read to you our spiritual truth. We said, the pathway to a life of anointing in the Spirit is the pursuit of continual hiddenness with the Lord. This hidden life in God means ultimate death to soulish and fleshly motivations. It means doing what we do, now listen, for no other reason than to please God and obey His will. That's not hard, is it? It means doing what we do for no other reason than to please God and obey His will. The source of all strength, significance, and spiritual power comes from a history of seeking God in the secret place. It is a personal, intimate relationship with the Almighty that imparts wisdom, character, and motivation to a special group of individuals, a hidden people. 
the author, Lori Wilkie, made that statement. Now I want to go on and give you some other characteristics of hidden ones. The first one is forgiveness and graciousness. If you and I are going to operate in the anointing of God that's going to set people free in the days ahead, we're going to have to forgive. And sometimes that's not easy. Amen? Then we're going to have to learn how to be gracious. We've been studying meekness on Wednesday night. Who did we study Wednesday night, people? Abraham. Abraham. You know, when, when uh, he, he took that, that nephew with him, and uh, his nephew had a choice. Lot, remember? And he took what he saw with his eyes, the best of the land. He wanted that, and, and Abraham graciously gave him that. Well, it turned, him, turned around to bite him in the backside, didn't it? Yes, it did. But, you know, because of the attitude of Abraham's heart, he was forgiving, he was gracious. You know, he inherited everything. Amen? And the blessings of Abraham are ours in Christ Jesus. And so if you and I will keep our hearts right, when you and I become hidden in God and dead to self, now listen, we're no longer touchy. Any ever, anybody here ever been touchy? What do you mean touchy? How would you describe touchy? Too easily offended. Defensive. Huh? Yeah. So, you and I can be touchy. And that's not the way God would have us to be. You and I, when we're hidden in God, dead to self, say dead to self. We're no longer touchy. We can be attacked verbally, but it doesn't matter. How many have ever, ever entered into strife because of something somebody said to you, and you weren't forgiving and gracious, but you, re, you reacted? It's real easy to do, especially husbands and wives. Just ask my wife if I've ever been touchy. Go ahead, ask her. <laughs> Listen, we all can be touchy. We can be attacked verbally, now listen, but it doesn't matter if you're a hidden one because you can't offend a dead man. What do you mean? What do you mean, dead man? Well, if you've made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you're dead to self. That's right, Brian. You're dead to self. The old man has been crucified. Dead and buried with Jesus. And now you're a new man on the inside. The, the Bible says we become a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So the old Mike is dead. Now we still have to deal with the flesh. But see, if you don't renew your mind, if I don't renew my mind, if I don't pray daily, then who's going to ascend and take over the flesh? That's right. 
I've been crucified with Christ. It's no no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave His life for me. We have a new nature. Through Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, you and I have been set free from sin, and now we possess new life in Him. Say, I've been set free from sin, and I have, I have new life in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. E.W. Kenyon says it this way. He says, Every attribute in Jesus that made him beautiful is in the new creation. Do we have the new creation? So we should have some beautiful things. Amen. He goes on and says, We have the same life that dominated him, that love nature. We have the same kind of love he had love. A life of hiddenness in God. Now listen, because this is what is so important, especially in the time in which we're living, what we're entering into spiritually. A life of hiddenness in God causes our relationships to flourish. Because we're gracious and forgiving. Let me say that again. A life of hiddenness in God causes our relationships to flourish because we are gracious and forgiving. So, in these last days, it's going to take people who are hidden in Christ, people that abide in the secret place, dwell in the secret place of the Most High, abide under the shadow of the Almighty. They're in their prayer closet. They, they're, they're taking time every day to make sure they, they get into His presence. And because of that, it's going to change you. And because of that, change on the inside, you realize you're dead to self, you're going, your relationships are going to get better. See, we all need to get along. Did you know that? God intended the body to get along, to work together. Simple, isn't it? But if you haven't developed godly character on the inside, if you don't have a, a, a time that you spend time with God and developing, you know, your character, fellowshipping with Him daily, talking to Him. I'm, I'm getting so people see me, they'd wonder if I was nuts because I just talk. I talk to the Father. You know, I, I get out of prayer and I'll go outside and I'll just say, Thank you, Father, for a beautiful day. It's just, just a continual discourse with the Father. And the more you and I are sensitive to that, it's going to make us sensitive to people. Amen? Where was I the other day? Oh, I was in Subway last week. And I walk, you know, you go into these restaurants anymore. Some of these kids, they just don't know. They don't have any people skills. And you know, you're just getting, so you're getting used to it. You don't expect good service. And I walked in the subway last Sunday, and the young kid, two young guys, high school age, behind the counter. I mean, they look a little squirrely, but, you know, I can put up with that if they're kind. And he spoke to me right away when I came in. Wow. Then he's asked, he's carrying on a conversation with me. And how are you? And I'm thinking, what is wrong with you? 
Are you, you have a fever? And pretty soon we get through it, and the two of them were working together to make the sandwiches because I was taking them home. And uh, I commented, I said, this is the best service I've ever gotten here. Paid the bill, and I handed him a $5 bill. It wasn't your money that you gave me. It was out of my pocket. And the kid just looked at me. I said, keep it up. See, if we develop that attitude of love and, and being gracious to people, you can't even leave it. I had, we were eating at NoFo Pizza Lab. How many have ever had NoFo Pizza? How many have never had it? Well, you're missing it. It's, I think it's the best pizza in town. And we had this waitress. And, and we were with Kaylee's folks. And, and they, she seemed to know Carl and Sue. And, and she remembered that, you know, Sue's name because her grandma's name was Sue. And she was cute. She was beautiful. And, uh, we, and I'm thinking to myself, Carl, because he paid for my, my birthday dinner. I said, I'm thinking to myself, Carl, you better leave a good tip for this girl. Well, he did. Because we got all done, and both of us, I walked out the door with her and, and Carl, and so I, said, I commented, what, what a beautiful girl, what a sweet spirit, what a great waitress. And Kathy looked at me, and she says, she just knows how to butter you old man up. And it, it dawned on me, yeah, they know how to do it, but I don't care. I got great service. She was a beautiful girl and, and a sweet girl, sweet spirit. So they're out there. They're few and far between, but there are good ones out there. And when you see the good one, be gracious. You old tight Germans, open your billfold and give them some money. Oh, that went over big. Look at Luke 7. I'm not going to get all through this today. How many of you know I've said that we need to change? Well, I want you to know I got an iPhone. Great. And so, I'm learning, folks. It's not going to be easy. You need to pray for me. It's an iPhone. It's a 14. Whoa. I finally figured out how to turn it on and off. <laughs> but I got a little irritated because I'm up here and I had the phone in my jacket. I'm thinking I had the volume down. I knew that. And I was going to take my coat, hang it up so no, nothing could happen. And she comes running up. Give me your iPhone. Give me your iPhone. Kaylee's got to show you how to shut it off. Ah, rah, rah, rah. I said, it is down. No, it's got to be. And so she showed me another feature. Little tiny button to put it on silent. So be gracious with me. Give me time to learn. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I never wanted to get one, but I realized that if I ask you to change, I better change too. No amens on that, huh? You're being polite. This is a great passage of Scripture. And we're talking about a life of hiddenness in God.
means that you and I need to be forgiving and gracious. And it says, Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, say sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. He said to him, you've rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet, but she washed my feet with her tears, wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Those in the days ahead who will make the decision to walk in forgiveness and be gracious to others will experience an anointing. You might be here today, and maybe somebody offended you. Well, do you see the importance of forgiveness? Make an effort and, you know, listen, how many have ever been offended? Let me see your hand. Man, have you ever been upset with the wife? I'd do both feet, but then I'd be on my butt. Especially husbands and wives in the days ahead. you got to work together as a team. There's been days she's really made my eye twitch. and But you know, I say this in all fairness, I've made her eyes, both her eyes twitch. It works both ways. But it starts at home with your family, getting along. If one, if, you know, if something happens and you offend one another or you get into strife, listen, deal with it immediately. Deal with it immediately. Say immediately. Keep strife out of the house. Keep strife out of your marriage. Keep strife out of your family. Because there's nothing that will stop the flow of the anointing more than strife. And it's my job as a pastor, now listen carefully, to keep strife out of this church. 
and and whatever it takes, we need to keep strife out of the church. Because we've got a job to do in the days ahead. But let me tell you something. There are always going to be people that aren't going to see it the way you see it. But we're going to have to learn how to, to be gracious and forgiving. And, and you know, bless those that curse you. <laughs> Bless those that might not see it the way you see it. And, and I can't say it any more clear, and I want you to understand this. We've, we've got to get along here at Harvest Church. It's just like watching Nebraska football. They won. I like that coach. There's something about him I like. I think he's a, a born-again Christian. Is he? Okay. Dad's a minister. <laughs> That's trouble right there. But they work together as a team. You know, we like we love volleyball, so we watch. You know, Coach Cook and the, and and the volleyball team. They work together. A lot of young freshmen, but they're working together. It's not about being superstars. It's about working together as a team. And I told the the the, the people that come on Wednesday, the faithful ones. Oh, I'm sorry. I slipped. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That, you know, you have an obligation. If you see somebody here at Harvest Church that's either offended, saying anything bad about your leadership, deal with it. Don't just bury your head and pretend, ah, pastor will deal with that or, Somebody else will deal with that. No, you deal with that. And all you need to do is say, you know, we got to get along. we got to work together. You can't talk about your pastor like that. You can't talk about another fellow believer at church like that or gossip about them. That's wrong. you got to do that. You get it because you're a coach. Have you ever had any kids on the team cause some problems? You just put your arm around them and say, it's going to be okay. No, I know better. I know you. I, w- I, want it, I want us to work together. And I want you to know, Kathy and I aren't perfect. Got a big response out of that one. Folks, there's, n- there's not a perfect preacher out there. There's not a perfect church out there. But I want you to know we're going to do everything we can to lead you in these last days and raise up leadership that will lead you in these last days. So let's work together. Amen? Ephesians 4.32 It says, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I'm going to say that once more. Be kind, Harvest Church, to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So if you want to flow in a a mighty anointing in these last days, what are you going to have to to do? What? 
You're going to have to learn how to forgive and be gracious and learn how to tip. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this. The anointing isn't going to flow through a stingy person. Mm-mm. Some of you are going, I wonder which subway that is. I'm going to go there. It was the north one. Probably more than likely you'll go there today and there'll be different people behind the counter. Let's stand up. I'm going to stop there because I really I really feel like I want you to leave with remembering just one thing about developing a, a forgiving nature, a graciousness to people. Be kind. Everybody raise your hands. Father, in the name of the Most High God, In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we've learned today how important it is to walk in love and walk in forgiveness. We've learned, Lord, to be gracious and giving to others. So I pray, Lord, the words that they've heard this morning have entered their hearts and have renewed their minds. And they'll walk in forgiveness They'll walk in graciousness and they'll stay out of strife. And so, Father, I call every marriage here blessed in the name of Jesus. Every family blessed in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, let the love of Jesus flow this week. Let that anointing flow through us to a lost and dying world that's out there. And bless them just as Jesus blessed everyone that came in contact with Him. So I thank You, Father, how the, the people of Harvest Church were anointed with the Spirit of God who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. Thank you, Lord, you're with us every day this week. Your grace is sufficient in Jesus' name. Amen. Is there anyone here this morning you need prayer for your physical body? Prayer for your physical body. Okay, you're doing good. Is there anything else? Would you go right ahead, please? Caleb brought it to my attention last night, but today is actually National Pastors Day. So we would like to pray for our pastors. So Mom, Dad, Brad and Courtney, and Abe, if you don't mind coming up, and we'll pray for you. Nate's going to come up and pray for you guys. Why do you need pastors That's a good day. So extend your arms and be in agreement. Real good. Take it easy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, good. First of all, I want to just tell everyone out here, there is a call for the Aaron's and hers to rise up. Lift up these guys' hands. That's your responsibility. It's not their responsibility to do that for you. So let's lift up these guys' hands.
right? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for our leadership. We thank you, Father, for all the gifts and the graces that you have placed within each and every one of these members that are to lead and guide us in the days ahead. We bind all distraction that would come against our leaders so that there, there be peace amongst the people. We bind any strife that would try to enter in. And we just lift them up to you, Father, and we say, let's speak a double portion of the anointing over every one of them in Jesus' name, that your words flow through them in Jesus' name, that the music be anointed in the days ahead in the name of Jesus, that there be... mm, a great fire be birthed from the words that you speak within every individual member of Harvest Church, that there be no hindrance that would attempt to stop this move that you have called us to. And Father, we speak over every member that is in leadership, and we call them blessed in Jesus' name. And we speak to the gifts and we say, come out of them now. Yes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. God bless you. That's the greatest thing you could ever do is speak the living word of God over us. Amen. You're dismissed.